handoff to Jonathan oh. Taylor. Hughes hole. He's at the 30. He's going to go. 10, 5, touchdown. Jonathan Taylor made a man miss the line of scrimmage and then runs it into Pater. And a one-handed INT. Are you kidding me? Kenny Moore. What a play by Naheem Hines. What is going on, Colts Nation, and welcome back to another episode of the Bring the Juice Colts podcast. Cody Felger here, joining me, Andrew Thomason. Andrew, how are you doing, my friend? Well, it's a beautiful day out, Cody. It's about time we've had some decent weather, and we're now at April 5th, which means we're only a few weeks away from the NFL draft. So to sum it all up, I couldn't be more excited. I know, right, man? I can't believe it. Can't believe we're in draft month now. Can't believe the NFL draft is coming here in a few weeks, like you mentioned. Absolutely wild to me. So in the spirit of that, Andrew, I thought that we could kind of look at some of the Colts moves in free agency and in trading as well. So kind of looking back at that, kind of giving our thoughts on our least favorite moves and to our favorite moves, kind of looking at all the moves, notable the moves that the Colts have made and kind of giving our thoughts on which ones we like the best, which ones we dislike the best. So I'll kind of start here by talking about some of the guys that were unrestricted free agent signings from other teams. First one, most notable one, defensive end Isaac Rochelle, formerly of the Chargers. Offensive tackle Sam Tevy, formerly of the Chargers as well. Offensive tackle Julian Davenport and guard Chris Reed. So those are some of the unrestricted free agents the Colts have signed. Some of the unrestricted free agents of the Colts have re-signed themselves. Marlon Mack, Xavier Rhodes, T.Y. Hilton, Joey Hunt, and Al-Qudim Muhammad. And then they had some tender guys that they re-signed, George Odom, Zach Paschal, Mo Ali Cox, some exclusive rights free agents tender to re-sign. Probably won't get into those. Ashton Doolin, Taylor Stallworth. And then obviously the big trade, quarterback Carson Wentz from the Philadelphia Eagles. So, Andrew, looking at all these moves that the Colts have made, let's start with your least favorite move that the Colts have made this offseason, what would that be? Oh, for me, of all the guys you mentioned, it's it, for me, it's Julian Davenport, and it's not even close. Cody, Julian Davenport was the Houston Texans starting left tackle during the 2018 season. And let me just remind Colts fans and anybody else that may be listening to this podcast, Deshaun Watson in 2018 was sacked over 60 times, and he had to take a bus to one of the team's away games. I believe it might have been Jacksonville because he had a lung issue that was, ironically enough, caused by his horrendous offensive line and in part uh, due to the horrendous play of Julian Davenport at left tackle. I understand that the offensive line depth for the Colts last season uh, was not great. Chaz Green, LaRaven Clark, uh, and others. And Chris Fowler addressed that during his end-of-the-season press conference saying, you know, I have to do a better job at providing better depth for this Colts team, especially along the offensive line. But for me, what good is offensive line depth if the offensive line depth is mediocre? And I understand that the Colts have Chris Strouser and now Kevin Maway, Hall of Fame center, now a part of the offensive line coaching staff as well. But to me, I just, I'm kind of scratching my head at the signing a little bit. I, like I said, I, I understand the signing from a depth perspective, but that's, that's the only reason the signing makes sense. Everything else kind of, like I said, makes me scratch my head a bit. Yeah, I think you're not the only one there that that's not really too keen on this Julian Davenport signing. Well, fortunately, you know, he's 
I honestly don't think he's going to make the roster. I don't think he should make the roster with all, you know, potential guys you're going to draft. And, you know, obviously Sam Tevy as well being brought in. I just feel like he's going to be hopefully on the outside looking in based off of how rough of a career really he's had in the first couple of years of his young NFL career. But what is the second move that is your least favorite? Oh boy. Uh, I'd have to probably say Sam Tevy. To me, again, similar. He's not nearly as bad as Julian Davenport, uh, but he's a close second. The, the only thing that's, that I like about Tevy is the fact that he's a, pretty, a fairly solid swing tackle, or he could be if needed, for the Colts. And then he's been fairly durable over the last three years for the Chargers. He, I believe he started at least 14 games each of the last three seasons for the Chargers at left tackle. But I kind of look at it as th- there's a reason he was cut by the Chargers. I, I don't care how durable you are. If you're mediocre, probably other than quarterback uh, and maybe defensive end, the most important position in all of football, that being left tackle, that to me has sort of causes for concern uh, if you're Chris Ballard and company. So Sam Tevy is my number two uh, least favorite. I believe it was from Bolt B. Sam Tevy was an unmitigated disaster for the Chargers in 2020. So if that tells you anything right there about uh, the signing is, you know, obviously Julian Davenport, we don't like that one at all, but you know, Sam Tevy, he has some more experience. I feel like he has more upside to be a solid, you know, guy if you need him for maybe a game or so, but yeah, definitely doesn't don't want him to be starting caliber tackle for you. I mean, cause I think that article, that headline tells you all you need to know right there. All right, what's the next move of all these moves that you think right now is the next one here on on least to favorite? I'd have to say my next move is probably Isaac Rochelle. I was similar to a lot of uh, different, uh, a lot of fans and maybe even some uh, of the Colts beat reporters. I was on the the Bring Danico Autry bus. I was riding riding the front row, Cody, because he was absolutely phenomenal the last three years for the Colts. I mean, he, he was one of those signings where, to be completely honest with you, when the Colts brought him in, I kind of was scratching my head a bit and thinking, I don't really know who this guy is, and I hope that he's a solid player. And I think he gave you 20-plus sacks over the last three years. I understand that Chris Ballard, as we've mentioned, you know, 100 times over on this podcast, has sort of a, a price that even for uh, guys that, that are in-house, uh, he's not really willing to go over. But I think for a guy that is uh, as versatile as Nico Autry, he would have been worth the money, uh, in my opinion. Hmm. I will say this, and obviously we don't know at this point, but you know what? People looking at Isaac Rochelle and saying, well, it's kind of underwhelming. We're probably saying similar things when Danico Autry got signed because, I mean, you look at the stats, they're actually interesting enough. They're pretty eerily similar. And I feel like, and I also, you know, he was, uh, Rochelle played less snaps than Autry as well and only had slight, little less production there. So, I don't hate this move. I didn't love this move. I felt like maybe you should have gone after a guy like Solomon Thomas, perhaps, or or somebody else that I felt like had maybe a little bit more upside, a little bit more starting experience there. So I wasn't like over the moon about this signing, but I was like, hey, it's somebody at defensive end. We kind of need help at defensive end. But yeah, it's kind of like a meh move to me. I was all right with it. But who knows, honestly, maybe Isaac Rochelle completely does a Nico Autry, right? Where he completely exceeds expectation, completely outperforms his contract. I mean, Isaac Rochelle got signed for like a fraction of what Danico Watcher was signed when Chris Ballard brought him in. So, I mean, if you can pay a guy less and get similar production, I'm all for it. I'm not going to say it's going to happen, but I think, you know, you look at that and you're like, okay, maybe we can have something that, that we can work with here. All right. What's the next what guy on your list here 
Uh, my next least favorite for me is the Joey Hunt signing. I, I, I don't want to say he's sort of like at the bottom of my list. I understand that kind of going back to a point I made earlier, offensive depth is obviously necessary. And I thought he played okay when Quentin Nelson filled in at left tackle for I think a drive or two against the, the Las Vegas Raiders. Joey Hunt was the replacement at left guard. But personally, I, I like Danny Pittner more than, than Joey Hunt. And then Chris Reed, who you mentioned, um, who I'll get into a little bit as one of my favorite signings, is I think honestly going to sort of take that spot from, from Joey Hunt. I think he's kind of a, a solid player, but definitely not one of my favorite favorite moves of the mm-hmm. offseason. I mean, it's just it's just the depth signing. I think at this point, I mean, he kind of gives me like Evan Bame, Bame vibes. Excuse me, from a few years ago when Ryan Kelly went down, wasn't super impressive, but it was also like he did the, he got the job done. Now, obviously, Joey Hunt played a lot less snaps than Evan Bame played when Ryan Kelly went down for a few games. But you know, I thought he was a solid guy. I, I was decently happy when they brought him back, just from a depth standpoint. I mean, ideally, he doesn't really play a whole lot. But if he does, I feel okay. I feel a little bit better about our interior offensive line depth now. All right, what's the next guy? Who's the next guy you have here on your list? The next player I have on the list here, I'm going to go with Mo, Mo Ali Cox. And obviously, we're we're kind of getting into the medium to high in terms of players that we kind of like, players that we sort of like, and then obviously players that we really really like. The Colts brought in during the offseason for me. As I said, it's Mo Ali Cox. The Colts don't really have a dynamic tight end. That's has been mentioned by many, many NFL reporters, uh, Colts beat reporters, and amongst others. Uh, one of the players, one of the positions, rather, that I think the Colts are sort of keeping an eye on. From what I understand, they have interest in Zach Ertz, according to multiple sources, uh, that being Colts beat reporters. There have been multiple people that have come out and said that the Colts have interest in Zach Ertz. And, and Mo Ali Cox played fairly well for you last season. Didn't really fight over the top, if you will. He certainly was no Eric Ebron. But I think he was one of their better players last season. And I think that offensive scheme where you have a, very, a lot of very heavy tight end sets, sometimes two and three even, which oddly enough is where Carson Wentz had the most success when they were together in Philadelphia. I think bringing him back was a smart move. Yeah, I, I like Mo Ali Cox. I kind of wish he would get more of an opportunity. I kind of felt like they went away from him a little bit whenever Trey Burton got back and healthy and all that kind of stuff. So I kind of would like to see more of Mo Ali Cox. But yeah, it's kind of been a flash in the pan. Like he has over 100 yards in that Minnesota game, and then you really don't hear a whole lot from him the rest of the year. So, you know, Mo Ali Cox is a solid player, I think. I still think he has a lot of potential, but, you know, I don't know. It's like how much, when, when do you stop saying that, I guess? Like, how much is enough potential for Mo Cox? When do we say this is his ceiling? I think that's a big question mark for Mo. But with the uncertainty at tight end with Trey Burton potentially not re-signing, I think it's important to to tender him like the Colts did. I think that's, that's really good. So I, I like Mo Cox. I think it's a solid move for the Colts to bring him back and a good move for their tight end depth. Who is the next guy you have on your list here? Oh, the next guy is Zach Paschal. And, and he's honestly a wide receiver that does not get talked about enough. During that 2019 season, season, pardon me, which we know was sort of up and down, especially towards the back end, Zach Pascal really stepped up in a big way. And he's been a really, really solid receiver for the Colts. Since about 2018, he has been a main contributor. I think uh, he is definitely at least a number three, maybe even a number two. Some fans may think that's a little overstated, but I don't. I think it's just – I think his 
production speaks for itself. I think he had over 700 yards during that 2019 season. And he's a great locker room presence as well. Uh, and we know how much Chris Brown and Frank Reich value players who are great fits for the locker room. So Zach Pascal is my next guy. I love Zach Pascal. I love what he brings. And I just love his energy. Love his consistency year in and year out, even when it seems like at least one of the receivers is hurt <laughs> about every game, it feels like. Zach Pascal's always been a consistent and healthy guy there. So like bringing him back from that standpoint. All right, looking at the guys we have left here, we have Chris Reed, we have Marlon Mack, we have Xavier Rose, we have T.Y. Hilton, we have Al-Kadi Muhammad, we have George Odom, and we have Carson Wentz. So out of those guys, who's next on your list? I'm going to go George Odom, and some people might be surprised at the how far up on the list he is. And he's a great special teams player. I think that the value of, of special teams players cannot be overstated. And and when you look at just how solid of a player he's been, like I said, on special teams, especially these last couple of years, I think he was one of those players that the Colts needed to bring back. I mean, you you look at how quickly a game can turn based on the play of your special teams. You look at the Titans game from last year, the blocked punt by EJ Speed that ended up resulting in a touchdown. A couple of years ago in the 2018 winner go home game in Tennessee, the muffed punt by Dory Jackson, which was recovered by, I think, might have been George Odom or Chris Milton. Those kinds of plays, that kind of awareness cannot be, uh, as I mentioned earlier, overstated in terms of how valuable his presence is for special teams. So that's kind of the main reason I like the signing. Uh, I don't really see him being a, a solid backup safety. I, I think he's been okay, but I, I would much rather have somebody else uh, as a backup before George Odom. And that's not an indictment on him. I just think he's more he's more valuable as a special teams player. Hmm. That makes total sense. Um, I just I just remembered there's another guy that's not on this list that I totally forgot about. Sean Davis. Where would he be on your list, Andrew? You know, until you said that, Cody, I think I forgot about him too. I'd have to put him right above George Odom, without a doubt. Sean Davis was a starter for the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think 2016, 2017. Was very, very solid. And I think that, you know, if something were to happen to Julian Blackman or Kari Willis, he'd be a solid replacement. I certainly would rather have him, again, over Odom, uh, again, just because I think Odom is, as I mentioned before, a better special teams player. And I I like Davis a lot. Uh, We didn't really see the Colts play too much in terms of drawing a blank on the the defensive scheme. I think it's it's dime or nickel where you have two safeties or one safety and then you have a a safety in the box. I don't really think Davis is that kind of player. Uh, I don't know if he's – he's not – I think he's 6'1". He's not really, you know, that big kind of – Six two, six three plus safety that you'd like to have in the box, your Cam Chancellors, your Jamal Adams, or, or somebody that's super, super athletic, I guess, like a Jamal Adams. But nonetheless, I think it's a very solid signing. All right. So who's the next guy here? We got I've got a few more names left. Who would be your next player? Oh, for me, my next player is Al-Qadim Muhammad. And, and there are so many question marks at defensive end right now, Cody. The Colts certainly missed out on some of the bigger name free agents throughout the first couple of weeks of free agency. Uh, again, going back to the, what we said earlier about Chris Ballard having a, a certain price for each player, and he's not willing to go over that price. Uh, I think that sort of happened with some of the, the as I mentioned before, bigger name free agents, your Carl Lawson's, your uh, Romeo Aquara's, if you will. But t- to me, Al-Qadim Muhammad is a solid rotational player. He's a solid backup. Uh, he did have that sack against the, the Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills during that playoff game. And he can be semi-productive for you. Uh, now, do I think he's a, a starting 
defensive end in, in the league? No, I don't think he's quite there. I think the Colts need somebody that's more prominent, more explosive. But nonetheless, uh, similar to George Odom and Sean Davis, he's just a quality depth signing for me, and, and I like the move a lot. Yeah, I think depth signing, especially with, like I mentioned, defensive end being a big position of need. And we still think the Colts may go and draft a guy pretty early at defensive end just because they need to find that number one true dominant pass rusher. They've been searching for it really ever since Robert Mathis retired. So I think just bringing in a guy like Muhammad, who's fairly young in his mid-20s, who's shown you some consistency, but also kind of a flash in the pan as well, like where he's a guy that's shown you some consistency, but also has shown you a lot of inconsistency in terms of, and maybe that's due to some snap counts and stuff like that, but it's like he makes a sack and then he goes a couple games without really affecting the quarterback or affecting the game. So Al-Kadib Muhammad's a solid signing for me. I like this move for the Colts. I thought they needed to do something, either resign him or Justin Houston, or maybe both. But I thought at least they needed to resign one of these guys. So Al-Kadim Muhammad is certainly one name that I like. All right, who's another guy here? The next guy moving up on your list here. Chris Reed. And similar to my Stampede Blue co-worker, Zach Picks, I love, love the Chris Reed signing. Uh, for a lot of the reasons that he mentioned, I'm going to credit him. He, he did some tremendous film work. If you haven't checked that out, be sure to do so on Chris Reed. And he, he broke that down very, very well. And I think that he's a veteran guard who, if need be, can come in and, and fill in for a Quentin Nelson or a Mark Lewinsky. We know Danny Pinter filled in for Ryan Kelly last season at center. We saw kind of the inconsistencies that were there against the Titans uh, during that game. And then, as I mentioned earlier with Joey Hump, he was solid, but not anything exceptional. And to be completely fair, during the game against the Las Vegas Raiders, they don't exactly have the most dominant pass rush in the NFL. There aren't guys on there that, that scare you, uh, in my opinion. They're, they're sort of C-plus to maybe B-minus players. So maybe that's a factor in it as well. But Chris Reed is just a phenomenal signing in terms of offensive line depth. I think he's absolutely going to make the roster over Joey Hunt. And, and I think that uh, he's more than just a, a solid signing along the offensive line. He's a, he's a quality veteran player that knows what it takes to win in this league. And as I mentioned earlier, we know how much the Colts value strong character players within their locker room. Yeah, I think I saw a stat where he allowed like one sack in like 400 to 500 snap pass sets last year. So that's impressive in itself. I like Chris Reed because I felt like, man, last year you, you had no quality depth at offensive line. I mean, let's be real. I mean, Danny Penter was okay, but he was a rookie. Like that was your best depth piece. So I felt like getting a guy like like Chris Reed was so essential to helping out your offensive line. I mean, the Colts have been very fortunate beyond, you know, last year with Anthony Costanzo, obviously, but really all their core players have stayed fairly healthy. And so it was kind of amazing how the Colts really haven't had to worry about it until last year, obviously, when Costanzo went down and then Braden Smith had to miss the game due to COVID. Boom. All of a sudden your tackles are Raven Clark and Chaz Green, and you're basically screwed. Like, so I, I like this from that standpoint, because now you have a guy that can kind of fill in when need be, you know, say, say one of your, say your offensive tackle, say your left tackle goes down, you move Nelson over to left tackle for a game. Maybe Chris Reed can slide over to left guard and then you still feel good about your offensive line. I mean, this helps you do so, so much just from that quality depth standpoint. So Overall, yeah, I agree. I really like this move a lot. I thought it was a really under-the-radar type of signing. I think you can put some really solid minutes there at offensive line for you. All right, what's the next move you got here? We're moving up closer to the top here. Uh, my next move is Marlon Mack. I love, 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 love 
this move for the Colts. I think last year after they took Jonathan Taylor in the second round, I saw a ton of Colts fans tweeting out, this is going to be the best 1-1 punch in the entire NFL. And I, I would lie, Cody. I'd be sitting here lying to you if I said I wasn't excited for it. And then, unfortunately, as we see in the NFL all the time, uh, Marlon Mack went down with a season-ending injury, and we didn't get to see that. And Jonathan Taylor took over, especially during that second half of the season, and was one of the best running backs in the NFL. And now we get to see that during the 2021 season. And I think you're going to see, as I mentioned earlier, as many Colts fans mentioned last year, one of the best running back duos in the entire NFL. The deal makes sense for both sides. It's a one-year deal. The salary cap is going to go up next year because of the new TV deals that the NFL recently signed. And Marlon Mack, if he wants to, is going to have the chance to maybe start somewhere else next offseason for maybe a little bit more money than maybe he was offered this offseason. But at least for the 2021 season, I cannot wait to see what Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor uh, produce in, in the backfield. Oh, me too. It's going to be incredible with that. Really the three punch, you know, like all three of those guys, Naheem Hines included. I, I, it's just amazing. Like, I'm just like in awe almost of like all the ways that the Colts are going to be able to attack defenses. I mean, all three of these guys are phenomenal at what they do. And all three of these guys have different unique skill sets. So I love that from that standpoint, getting Marlon Mack for essentially nothing for a one-year deal. I mean, it's perfect, in my opinion. That's exactly what I feel like the Colts should have done, exactly what they did do. You know, we even saw, man, Marlon Mack was was back in the facility early on. You know, when that with that injury, he was helping Jonathan Taylor. He was in there in the offseason. He was doing work, putting in work, and that is the type of guy that Chris Ballard has preached about. Those are the type of guys you want in your locker room. And just so much that he's already taught Jonathan Taylor, so much more that he can teach Jonathan Taylor – I love this move. It was probably one of my favorite moves in all of free agency because I felt like it was such a needed move. A lot of people said Marlon Mack wasn't going to be back, and I was like, why wouldn't you bring him back for that cheap? I know the Achilles injury is questionable. I get that. But if you're basically paying him nothing, you know, at, at the worst, he's a teacher for Jonathan Taylor for another year. So that's kind of where I'm at with Marlon Mack, and I personally loved, loved, loved this signing. So who is your next guy now, Andrew? Uh, my next guy is Xavier Rhodes. And listen, I, I was a bit surprised when he only signed a one-year deal, similar to what I said about Marlon Mack, I think, given that the salary cap is going to go up. Xavier Rhodes maybe has a chance to cash in uh, with another team or maybe even with the Colts in 2022. But for now, uh, looking into the 2021 season, I love the re-signing. Uh, the Colts had a big question mark at the corner prior to re-signing Xavier Rhodes. I mean, Rocky Sin was a liability. Let's just call it what it is. He had some really, really solid play last season, but I'd say the majority of the 2020 season for Rocky Sin was, was extremely questionable. Uh, TJ Carey was a solid veteran signing, but he's obviously moved on. Marvell Tell, who's coming back after opting out last season, you don't really know if that rust is going to shake off right away or if he's going to be able to have the same instincts that we saw in the 2019 season after taking a year off. So to me, uh, and, and Isaiah Rogers, excuse me, who I like a lot. I think he showed some flashes during that Buffalo game, but he's nowhere close to the level that Xavier Rhodes is at as it currently stands. So to me, that's this is a huge, huge signing for the Colts. I would have liked to have been maybe a two- or three-year deal personally. Uh, I understand the move from both parties' perspectives, but 
I think the Colts address a major, major, major need with the re-signing of Rhodes. Yeah, I personally love this move too. For another guy you just got for dirt cheap compared to other years. Like, he was fantastic last year. And I thought, man, if you can re-sign him for that, I thought he was going to want 9 or $10 million. And maybe he did. And maybe he just realized the market wasn't going to be there. So for what the Colts got him for almost half, <laughs> I mean, I'll take that any day of the week. Especially the veteran presence he provides, like you mentioned, with all the uncertainty at corner right now. He can step in and be your cornerback number one at least for another year. All right. So I believe there's only two guys left here. T.Y. Hilton, Carson Wentz. All right. I got to know. Who's number two? I'm going Carson Wentz. Call okay. me crazy. I know that, that's going to be a shocker for some people. You know, how is he not number one? <laughs> uh, listen, Carson Wentz is is a phenomenal, phenomenal quarterback. I, I think that he and Frank Reich are going to recreate the same magic that we saw in 2017. I think he is going to get back to that MVP level with Frank Reich, with Marcus Brady, the new offensive coordinator, with one of the best offensive lines in football, one of the best running games in football, just one of the better all-around teams, one of the most well-constructed teams in all of football. Carson Wentz is my number two. He's a massive upgrade over Phillip Rivers. Uh, We sort of broke this down in some of the other podcasts that I've been a part of when the trade first happened. I loved the move then. I love it, love it, love it now. As I said before, excuse me, he is a massive upgrade over Phillip Rivers, and I think he's going to do great things for the Colts this season. Just from what he allows your offense to do, I mean, your offense was, let's just face it, they were predictable last year because of Phillip Rivers' limitations. I mean, you kind of knew Phillip Rivers wasn't going to sneak it, right? You kind of knew that Phillip Rivers wasn't going to add that element of his legs. Like, he just wasn't. He was almost 40 years old, the most immobile quarterback in the league, I think. I think it's fair to say that. But now with Carson Wentz, he can do all those things for you. Now I know, and I get it, it's a little bit scary with all you know the potential concerns with him, with the Eagles last year, was not pretty at all. But I think overall, with obviously reuniting with Frank Reich is big, but also just changing the, of scenery and what he has around him, I think honestly, he's set for a really big season. And I, I say that, I try to take the fandom out of it because I honestly look at it from objective opinion, and I look at kind of the track history of, of Frank Reich and all these quarterbacks. I mean, Andrew Luck in 2018, what happened? Had one of his best seasons as a pro. Cut down on the interceptions, didn't turn the ball over, knew when to throw it away, you know, started developing those tendencies that we always would knock him for. Then you look at Jacoby Brissett. Now I get it, the 2019 season wasn't great for him, but at one point he had the team at five and two. I mean, let's be real. And then obviously the injury happened and, and you know, whatever, that that happens. Then you look at Phillip Rivers. I mean, at this point last year, Andrew, people were saying Phillip Rivers is going to be completely garbage with the Colts. He had 20 interceptions, I believe, the year before that with the Chargers. Look what happened. I mean, he wasn't fantastic, but I think, honestly, I think it's fair to say that Frank Wright got pretty much the most he could get out of Phillip Rivers at that point in his career. I was going to say one more thing about Carson Wentz, if I may. Similar to what you mentioned with Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz doesn't need to play hero ball. He needs to be slightly above average at best, I think, for the Colts to have major success in 2020. Uh, And I think, as I mentioned earlier, he's going to get back to that MVP form or close to it. And if he does, I think the Colts are going to be one of the better teams in the entire NFL um, because of Carson Wentz and not in spite of him. Uh, Now, moving on to my number one pick here uh, is obviously T.Y. Hilton. The hashtag bring T.Y. home was trending on Twitter at one point, uh, which is just amazing considering 
you know, just how much of a great person he is and how much he's meant to this city and to the team and what a great locker room presence that he is. I understand that the production maybe wasn't there last season or he wasn't as productive as, as we would have expected him to be. But I think now that you have Carson Wentz as your quarterback, a guy that can move around and extend plays uh, off and make plays off script, I think T.Y. Hilton is going to sort of revert back to his uh, form when Andrew Luck was the quarterback. I think it's certainly going to help, if anything, and, and I just – you know, uh, from a purely objective standpoint, the Colts, aside from T.Y. Hilton, their wide receivers are maybe slightly above average. You like what Michael Pittman gave you last season. You think he's going to take that next step. I like Zach Pascal, um, but I don't think he's anywhere close to what T.Y. Hilton is. And this idea that T.Y. Hilton is not as dominant uh, as he once was, I don't think is entirely true. And what I mean by that is this. He might not be as dominant in terms of production and numbers, but he is just as dominant in uh, attracting double coverage and uh, catching the eyes of, of defenders and defensive coordinators. I mean, you, you got to get your hands on him because if you don't, he, he can still burn you. He can still get behind you pretty quickly. And I think that that element to the Colts offense isn't talked about enough. The ability to be able to draw double coverage and allow your other receivers, your Michael Pittman and your Zach Pascals and others, to have single coverage allows them to ultimately be more productive. So for me, T.Y. Hilton is, is absolutely number one on my list. Awesome. Well, cool. I think we got through all of them. Well, I'm curious for our listeners, what do you guys think? Did you like our list? Did you think there's some other guys you probably would switch? Let us know in the comments below, but that'll do it for this one, guys. Yeah.